Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. Okay, so Jessica, I have been accused, for better or for worse, of turning everything into a competition. Well, <laughs> it just, you it have just... siblings, so I right? guess it's natural. This is just what happens. I'm, we're, we're, we, we have taken watching murder, cozy mystery TV shows and turned it into a competition. I can make anything into a competition. Yeah. So it's no surprise that back in March, we held a TV detective championship on Facebook, not Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram, we had a TV detective tournament. That was our March Madness, kind of like our sports ball nod. We had right, brackets. Yeah. We don't care about sports ball. We do care. Actually, that's not very, that's not true. I deeply yeah, care about sports ball. Do. But we also. Again, we, see competition. <laughs> see competition. <laughs> but we also deeply care about TV mysteries. So, yes, we turned it into a competition with 16 different detectives battling it out. Spoiler alert, because we spoil everything. Murdoch, Mr. William Murdoch from Murdoch Mysteries 1. So for our jam-packed season finale episode, we are going to watch another episode of Murdoch Mysteries. Which one are we watching, Jessica? We're watching season one, episode 13, which is the closer mm-hmm. of the, the finale of the first season. And it's called The Annoying Planet. The Annoying Red Planet. Oh, right. You're right. The Annoying Red Planet. I have been promised aliens is what this comes down to. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be exciting. And we know that because... Yes, because we wanted to know what once Murdoch won, we and Murdoch was like a champion throughout all of this, but once Murdoch won, we we're like, okay, we need to know more about like why Murdoch is so beloved and why people love him so much. So we called up our cozy companions here in the Cozy Mystery Podcast world, Sarah and Mark over at the Mystery Maniacs Podcast. And or they are doing our or, cohorts, or yes, cozy, our cozy cohorts. Cousins, cozy cousins. <laughs> cozy, cozy cousins. Cozy, cozy cousins. podcasters. Cozy pod sure, sure. Whatever you're comfortable with. In any yeah. event, they do a great job of breaking down Murdoch Mysteries. So we interviewed them later on in this episode, and then next week we'll have the full interview with them. But we put a little bit in here as well. So they get to tell us why they think Murdoch is so great. But before we get to all of that, let's start with the competition. Jessica, tell us about it. Yes. So this we we did. We launched this in March, just like it was a brackets tournament. We had brackets and the whole thing. And it was a nail biter. Some of the some of the competitions were real nail biters. Some of them were heartbreaking. There were there was a lot of wailing in the comments. Yes. And gnashing of teeth. And like, how could you possibly make me choose? Uh, And and it was because it's a competition. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were ones that were like, oh, no question. And or once there was one between Endeavor and John Barnaby, DCI John Barnaby from Midsummer, which came down to a last second vote. One she was she was literally the writing the post about who won when another vote came in. Yeah, I had already recorded video. I had already like <laughs> I I was like, oh my gosh, this is breaking news. But especially the first round was had just a lot of. I mean, just like any brackets tournament, had a, a lot of like scrambling, a lot of and, upsets and scrambling, and a lot yes. of upsets. Yeah. So Magnum PI or Thomas Magnum, Detective Thomas Magnum. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Hawaiian shirt and short shorts fame, <laughs> not to mention the mustache. 
Yes, competed against our detective, William Murdoch, in the first round. And I Murdoch won by a landslide. But, oh, my gosh, the comments that we got of people being like, how can you make me choose? <laughs> and I was not clear. It's not clear. Like, everybody, like, it was not clear if people were having to choose because it was hard to choose because Thomas was sexy and but Murdoch was smart or if they both found both found equally sexy. And I'm like, I don't know. Like it's hot. like Yannick Bisson's eyes like look into those eyes. Yes. He's dreamy. He's dreamy. Yeah. Thomas Magnum got the mustache. So I don't know. It's. Yeah. I mean, one said one of the top response was, oh, well, that's not fair. I love them both. And then other people were, I love them both. He had the, Tom rocked the 1980s and Murdoch rocked the turn of the century. <laughs> like <laughs> the 1880s is what right. I, I think that person was hoping to to convey. And then always, Murdoch, always best show ever. Greetings from Romania. Hello, greetings to you. Oh, somebody said, this is terribly hard. They are so very different. And then my favorite said, if Murdoch had Magnum's long legs, the choice would be tough. But since that is not true, it is Magnum for the win. Never watched Magnum for the mystery. <laughs> so that was squarely in the sexy corner, I, I, that one. <laughs> what's so funny about that is that even if Murdoch did go to a beach in one of the episodes, and I'm sure that he does over all the yeah, seasons, and on. even if he wore a correct swimming outfit, like you still wouldn't see his legs. <laughs> like That's the whole point. Like You still wouldn't get to see Murdoch in short shorts. Yeah. Can we yeah, start that he, petition? Could we like? Could we somehow say like they've do, they've done other anachronistic Magnum things? At the beach, like or maybe no, uh, <laughs> Murdoch at the beach. <laughs> William Murdoch. William Murdoch invents the banana hammock. <laughs> Come on, you know that the audience out there wants that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know. Okay, so here's another thing that Please. apparently somebody put into was thinking you know went into their vote is said that's not even fair we don't know what kind of bicycle murdoch rides is it a bianchi because that's a pretty sexy ride in 1900 so somebody was really you know we have talked so much about the detective conveyance as gotta have a bitch and ride the vehicle and we and murdoch you know we don't really know what that bicycle is or what you know it's true how could we how could we zhuzh up like He's not a horse guy. Like, I don't know that I want to see Murdoch on a horse, like riding around like the Lone Ranger or anything like that, or a Mountie. He's not a Mountie. No, yeah. no, okay. that's the I thing. Just, I just realized how much I completely offended our Canadian brethren and sistren or whatever, they, our Canadian <laughs> folks up there by like putting him with the Lone Ranger. No, no, no. Yes, he would be a Mountie. He is not, but he's not a Mountie. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see him in the red coat. That's that's just me. But but he does have the very calm, everything that you associate with, or I don't know, as an American, I guess, what we have been fed <laughs> to think about Mounties. <laughs> it's being, true. Which I think I have Rocky also... and Bullwinkle, I think, you know, a, 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 a kind paladin who's Dudley very Do-Right, calm. yes. Dudley Do-Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what's funny about this is listening to Mark and Sarah on the Mystery Maniacs, they talk about like... Just the shorthand that in Canadian shows, like if you're an American, you're immediately sus. You're yeah. imme- you're immediate. You're loud. You're vulgar. You're a little greedy, and that's yeah, just like yeah. you're just immediately sus if you're an American in Murdoch Mysteries. And I'm like, you know, it's not it's not completely wrong there. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a, this was a fun tournament and we learned a lot about what people liked and, you know, where yes. their competition, you know, where their, yeah. Wh- where what their really... hearts lies, but then where their <laughs> votes lie. It's really, yeah. it's really fun. You know, you can go back and look at our videos and our, and the recordings and the comments that people made. It's, it's still in the Instagram feed and we also made a highlights of it in the stories. And we would be remiss if we did not say that the Instagram feed is Clue Done It Podcast. We're at yes. Clue Done It Podcast on Instagram. And please so follow us. We want to do more. Out. We wanted to do a coroner tournament. want to do a coroner I want to do like a buddy buddy show tournament and clearly and... we have to do a sexy ride tournament like that's just gotta oh, happen yes <laughs> yeah we really do we really do so I yeah mean, so join us about... on the social media yeah I, I mean i was just gonna say like you think about lydia poet and she's just learning right? how to ride a bicycle in the yes. first season which people watch that show it is so good <laughs> <laughs> that is a great one. Yeah, I I feel like that's a sleeper. I feel like if they keep, if Netflix can keep that one going, it's gonna it's gonna keep on growing. That was a great show. So it really is. Okay, so but, great. But Murdoch was our champion. Yes. All hail Murdoch. We are yes. doing the annoying <laughs> Red Planet. Jessica, why don't you tell us about that show? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to recap. So our last episode that we did was season 11, Mm. episode seven, The Accident. Right. And Murdoch is a show, just again, if you haven't listened to it or watched, listened to us or watched it or listened to our other cozy cohort, it takes place in the late 19th, early 20th centuries. It starts in 1895. So I assume that's where we are actually in Mm. in this season. In this episode, yeah. Yeah, in this episode. It takes place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And it's based on the detective Murdoch novels by Maureen Jennings. And as Jacob said, it stars Yannick Bisson as a Toronto police agency detective. And he uses radical forensic techniques for the time, including fingerprinting and trace evidence. He's always inventing something. And you're like, whoa, what's going on? Should he be an inventor? Which we go into a detail in our... (laughs) Check out the last episode (laughs) Episode we did for all the things that he invents and everything like that. Yes, so great. I will also say it, he he starred in the one of the Hallmark mysteries that we did as well. And we got to see him in like modern attire right there. So in addition to Dreamy Eyes, Yannick Bassan is ripped. Yeah, he <laughs> really is. I yes. mean, I again, as I said in that re- Aurora Tea Garden episode, I was when he shows up for a board meeting as part of his company, I was like, wait a minute, is this a Chippendale situation? Or is he actually <laughs> he's actually on the board? Okay. Yeah. So in this episode, Murdoch investigates the hanging of a farmer found in a freshly plowed field with no footprints around it. Crabtree, who's his detective, police detective, or police sergeant, sergeant, suspects extraterrestrial involvement. And that's because it's a crop circle. I Mm. saw some pictures. Sorry, I do my, you know, photo research before. (laughs) Am I pre-cheating? Yeah. Some folks pre-game, you pre-cheat. It's called research. (laughs) Whatever. It's research. It's research. That's okay. I'm a anyway. better guesser. I need a handicap coming in here. Uh, oh, oh, okay. That's so not no, true, is... by the way. That's just me making excuses. <laughs> yeah. And when we talk to, I mean, you'll probably hear this in the snippet. And if not, you'll hear it next week when you listen to the whole interview. But they talk about how the, since this was the season finale of the first season of Murdoch, 
they throw they didn't as typical with first seasons writers never know if they're going to get picked up for the second season and so they just throw in the kitchen sink right and apparently everything is there in this episode and even though second season typical again of tv second season writers kind of change or massage certain things you can see in this first in this season closer all the makings of all the characters and everything that's going to happen in all the future seasons. Yeah. So that's they really, really they really, exciting they really too. had it nailed, like dialed in by the end of the season. Yeah. 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 So really great. All right. Another person actually I'm excited to see in this episode mm-hmm. because he, he doesn't show up in the 11th season episode that we watched is Lachlan Murdoch uh-huh. as Constable Henry Higgins. And he does 198 I'm episodes. So, I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, what? Um, and he's he's Henry Higgins. Like and his character name is Constable Henry Higgins. Wow. <laughs> Wow. I Now I'm really going to want songs in this episode. Aliens, inventions, and songs. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to talk about any of the other things with, to do with this show? Please, yes. Oh, okay. So I think we talked we talked a lot about the actors in the last episode, so I'm not going to get too much into them. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we're excited to see uh, Yannick Bisson as Detective William Murdoch, Helen Joy as Dr. Julia Ogden, who is their coroner, and also his, it turns out, his love interest. Long-time simmering the, love or, interest, yes. Yeah, they have a— They a, really a, slow a, play that one. Go back to the oh, previous episode for oh how my much gosh, they slow play so that. So amazing. Thomas Craig playing Inspector Thomas Brackenreed, who is Murdoch's boss. Johnny Harris playing Constable George Crabtree, who we talked about just a bit right. ago. Um, yeah. I, the 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 lovely and a little bit wacky sidekick, essentially. Yes, yeah. So this episode is directed by Sean Alex Thompson, mm-hmm. who please go check out his website, seanalexthompson.com. I sent it to you last night. Did yes. you look at it? It's bonkers i love it yeah he is into fine art photography and including the first image on the page of his website is three scenes in a dollhouse that is in the the doll's house is in a closet and so there are all these stuffed toys looking in on the doll's house which is depicted as a double murder and then the second scene is the police investigation of the double murder. And then the third scene is the outside of the house at night as the bodies are being taken away by the coroner and the ambulances and the fire scene. And like all the stuffed animals looking on and the in dolls horror. It's... in horror, like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Which I just like, please, I cannot wait to see what Sean Thompson does on this episode. So here's my question about this. Do you which came first, do you suppose? Do you suppose like Murdoch's dioramas came first and then that that inspired Sean's photography? Or do you <gasps> think Sean came to them with me like, OK, look, I really like this kind of photography. <sighs> Let's make some dioramas for William Murdoch. Yeah, I don't know. He has directed five episodes of Murdoch Mysteries, and they were all in season one. So maybe the dioramas were kind of his idea. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We should we we should try and find that out. Yeah, and he. It's too. It's too. I'm gonna have to email Mark and Sarah. We've already interviewed them, but now we need to know this too. Yeah. Yeah. 
And there is, we've talked about this and we talk about this with Sarah and Mark too, how there is really interesting camera work, cinematography in this More than first just season. spinning around. Oh my gosh. I mean, you really do get a little seasick, but the close-ups too. Holy moly. I'm, you know, will we see that in this episode? I don't know. I'm Remains sure to be seen. Yeah. The episode, this episode that we're watching, season finale, is written by Paul Aitken, who is a producer. He's produced 181 episodes, and he's written 57 of them, including this one. And his writing credits also include, I mean, actually, his first writing credits listed on IMDb mm-hmm. is a show called The Campbells, which is a family adventure period about drama soup. about a doctor who is a widower who moves to Upper Canada with his three kids in the 1830s, and they deal with adventure and misfortune. He's also written on Riverdale and a bunch of other shows, including Hudson and Rex, of course, because Mm. who hasn't on that show? (laughs) I promise, next season we are doing an episode of Hudson and Rex. We must. It it just seems like he was meant always to write for Murdoch and to produce on Murdoch, seeing as how like he was on the Campbells. Oh, and also fun thing about the director, Sean Thompson, sorry to go back to him. I forgot to mention this. He started out as an actor and he is in Hairspray, the 1988 movie. He plays Corny Collins and he was in a number of other things. And in the late 90s, he transitioned to directing and he actually directed a, a puppet show called Puppets Who Kill. He, which also sounds he was fabulous. Clearly meant for this show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and but he got his start on Guiding Light. I like what the uh, people Sean, have the most you, interesting. You have backgrounds. our admiration. Yeah, yeah. So that's that, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. All right. We'll tell you what. We'll hand it off to Mark and Sarah and our interview with them while we go do some guessing, and we'll see you in a minute. See you in a minute. We are super excited to talk to Mark Bell and Sarah Smith-Robbins today, co-hosts of the wildly popular podcast Mystery Maniacs, a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery television, formerly known as the Midsummer Maniacs podcast. But in addition to co-hosting the podcast, Mark is a web developer at Indiana University and also runs a comic book company. Sarah is a senior director of emerging technologies at the Kelly School of Business at Indiana State University with a PhD in rhetoric and composition and a master of arts in digital storytelling from Ball State, plus a master of arts in literature from Indiana University and a BA from Franklin College. She's clearly smarter than your average bear. And because they don't have enough to do, apparently, they also go all out for Halloween. So Mark and Sarah, welcome to the pod. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for oh, having us who are those people who do all that i don't that know was, that is that was one of my first questions like how do you how do you manage to cram all this in with a weekly podcast and everything else our house is really dirty yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome something has to give yeah well going back to murdoch mysteries which has gone on for another 16 seasons and counting at this point such a beloved show with a huge fandom which is why it won our March Madness TV Detective Tournament, too, and presumably why your listeners suggested it for you to do next. What about this show makes it so likable, do you think? And what do they get right? We have, so we've 
like you, we've covered a lot of different shows. We've kind of dipped in. Mm -hmm. When we finished Midsummer, we sort of tested the waters as a lot of different shows. And our criteria are that there's it's got to be a little loony. It has to be it has to have some craziness to it, whatever the show is. It can't take itself too serious. It has to um, resolve the mystery in one episode. Mm -hmm. It can't be too gory or bloody or too realistic. We like zany, basically. Mm -hmm. And for me, Murdoch is a great sort of mix of history and costume and zaniness and but it's usually a pretty good storyline too. You, if if you've not seen an episode before, you might be sort of stumped. It doesn't always follow the rules, you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. there there's information that the viewer's not given, but it it's pretty rare that they break those rules blatantly. So I think it's fair. On mm-hmm. top of yeah. that, and a thing that we bring to our coverage of Murdoch is I'm Canadian, so. Yes. There is Canadian things that even as a Canadian person, I've missed that I've gotten on rewatching. References, kind of Canadian in-jokes. Like, if you haven't had enough maple syrup, you're probably not going to get that joke. Yeah, you know? like, for, ex- <laughs> for example, the the episode that we you said we were going to talk about, the Annoying Red Planet episode, the geography is all wrong in that episode. And a Canadian person would know that almost instantly. But I had no idea how wrong okay. it was <laughs> i do like that i do like the the canadian perspective that you bring to it especially with all of your like you can get very specific with streets and buildings and all this stuff due to your time in toronto well that that was where i used to live like i yeah. used to live in the neighborhood that that it all takes place in so sometimes he gets too specific <laughs> and those of us who aren't canadian just take a break and go do something different and come back when he's done but yeah <laughs> At least they don't talk about hockey very often. Then we there is a hockey episode. I, I do oh want to. That might I, be a one man episode. I, do want to I don't congratulate know. Congratulate you on finding the saddest Murdoch to cover earlier on. Oh yeah, episode. they covered the one where the guy gets hit by the car and is yes. dying the whole episode. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. That is a tough, <laughs> yeah. very tough episode. It, but it was, but still a little loony, like you said, not gory. Still a little loony, like there's like the I think they're chasing chickens like through half like the other detectives are like chasing chickens for half the episode, which of course leads to clues. But you can go back and listen to that. But yes, it still adheres to the rules of a good Murdoch episode. We are going to be guessing on the annoying red planet. So without like spoilers, without telling us like who actually did it, like is there are there you've watched all the episodes, you know, all the episodes. What kind of clues can we get just from like the television experience itself? Like, is there any kind of like, oh, they always kind of do this kind of thing when they introduce the Jacob is trying to win. I'm, I am. I'm trying. I'm trying to find <laughs> out how to guess. like nail it down. <laughs> so let's e- let's each give one clue. Can I give mine first? Yes. Okay. Crabtree is not as crazy as he seems. No. Okay. So he'll come out with, and this is consistent in all all of Mur- Murdoch. He comes out with really crazy, off-the-wall, sci-fi kind of paranormal explanations, and he's not completely wrong. Okay. Mm. Mm. So don't dismiss him. Pay attention. Don't dis- so pay so attention you haven't watched the episode yet? No, no. Okay. We're, we are going okay, to cut clue, from this and go into it. Yeah. Okay. My clue is strangely in this instance, Murdoch's diorama is incorrect. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right. Thank All right. You. Thank you. You know how Thank he you. does? He builds stuff to yes. help him figure things out. Because right. it just yes. comes Time. to him. Yeah. It's wrong. There, right. There is a great, <laughs> fantastic episode later on, which... You, you can talk about that one weird. as much as you want. <laughs> it's, weird. it's weird that you have watched Murdoch in the way you want, because Murdoch really matures second, third, fourth season. If you hop around, and you kind then of the miss switch that a little to bit, but... CBC really matures it again. Yeah. And I don't mean mature like they get it, more budget. They and, get more budget yeah, and mm -hmm. they really like Johnny Harris is just a fantastic human being who takes the George Crabtree character into places we never would have expected and yet keeps him honest to George. Mm -hmm. You never have a moment where you're like, that's not George. And, and you guys mentioned this. He is a fantastic human being who tours all over Canada yeah. to stand up in small towns that would have never seen a television star mm -hmm. ever and helps out people of all races, creeds, and colors, and all that fantastic stuff. But in this first season, he's still figuring out George, but he has George in this episode. Yes. This episode, they're like, you start we eating. don't know if we're coming back. So they take a couple of risks. Risks, definitely. <laughs> and it's it's George pedaled down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> George is like <laughs> George absolutely is like. Yeah, okay. It's We're going to take this to 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And I think that that, that works so well against Murdoch. So there is an episode later on, and we talked about dioramas. There is a diorama-centered episode mm -hmm. later on that does such a good job of being empathetic of human beings that have different abilities and needs. Oh, the whole orange versus Catholic part mm -hmm. of Canada, mm -hmm. as well as the most amazing diorama ever of a street. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is the quintessential crime model. And then films it in such a way that like there's a point where there's a giant Murdoch inside the model. Yeah, it's really fun. And it's just fantastic. I'll just send you a link to that one so that if you ever come back to Murdoch, that's that's one that you should definitely consider okay. covering. Wow. Because it yeah. keeps you guessing till the very last minute and you're on the edge of your seat going, okay, how is this possible? I can't, it, it, either they're going to be like, and he's got a twin or, you know, it's going right. to have to be something <laughs> stupid like that to solve this crime. And then when they do, you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. How did I and, miss that? And I they do that. a fantastic job of taking a piece of evidence from the model bringing it into real life moving it back to the model bringing it into real mm -hmm. life it's fine they do such a good job yeah of that. well yeah so there's there's our hints really our long-winded hints our long Thank absolutely long-winded hints those are fantastic hints just for our listeners why don't you tell us the name of that episode so if they just want to go off and watch this they can do that mark's gonna have to look it up so you may oh, have to edit we'll, we'll do a little bit of <laughs> We'll do a little bit of little That's... music. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode to... that we were talking about with the dioramas is season four, episode six. It's called Dead End Street. Okay. And it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. one of the top 10 Murdoch episodes. Mm -hmm. And quite the stumper. Absolutely. Oh. 
fantastic. fantastic. Well, bef- yeah. thank you both for being here. I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your wisdom and how, like I said, you guys, you crack me up with the whole podcast. I do love listening to it. I love all you find. So thank you so much for coming on ours. I appreciate it. Yes. Do you want to, why don't you tell people the name of the podcast, where they can follow you online, how you want them, how they can find you, all that stuff. The appreciation is mutual, by the way. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. oh. Absolutely. it's so fun to hear people watch something for the first time that we've probably seen a dozen times <laughs> and to kind of recapture that. Oh yeah, that's when I thought so and so did it too. Wait, wait till they wait till they see that wait part. Till they get that's it. gonna ruin that theory, you know. It's well, really fun. and and married couple making mystery podcasts. The space is open. Like there's a lot of rooms. <laughs> there's just a lot of plenty of room for all of us. Yes. So we are mystery maniacs. You can find us on all the social media platforms and YouTube. Just search for Mystery Maniacs or Midsummer Maniacs. We're doing season two of Murdoch. Murdoch starting the 26th of June. And then we're not sure after that what we're going to be doing, but we will have new Midsummers near the end of the year too as well. So, mm-hmm. so if you like Midsummer Murders, we, we've covered every episode. 136 so you can, episodes. You can go back and listen to them one at a time. Some people listen to us while they're falling asleep, which is kind of a compliment. Have you, not, have you not got sure. that comment yet? That's, we haven't got that yet. We haven't. Yeah, but I've heard it on other podcasts. People say, the, the podcasters say, you listen to us while you fall asleep. Very interesting. Enjoy. Uh-huh. Which Enjoy. is weird because we used to watch Midsummer as we fall asleep. asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where you can find us. And yeah, we hope that folks will check it out. Excellent. Again, thank you so much. So what's that phrase, Jessica? What's that phrase about petards and hoisting? (laughs) Yeah, they really took you for here. (laughs) They took it for everything. They called your number. (laughs) By they, she means the writers of the show. Jessica, remind everyone what the rules of our game are. We will guess when we see a title sequence mm-hmm. or a body, whichever comes first. Well, or no, 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 that's not true. We right. will, if we see a body before the show has started, we will watch until the title sequence in case we have any clues. Correct. We get to watch until right. there's a body. And if the body comes before the title sequence, we get to watch the end of the title sequence. Yeah. So this so show. So this show uh-huh. starts Tell them what happened. right off. With a title sequence. That's what they do all the time. There's it's a nice no... title sequence. Great title sequence. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun. Much it has love. a little X-Files vibe mm-hmm. to little it. Little X-Files, then... Peter Gunn kind of driving yes. bass line yes. to it. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 sort of. Yeah, yep, yep. So it starts right off with it. So there's no cold open. Mm-mm. And then it... <laughs> and then we see... Some boots, mm-hmm. big some boots, boots walking through walking a freshly through plowed field. A freshly plowed field. There's still down, like a down dead plant, footmarks. and he's sort of edging through it. He looks tentative. Yeah, and then you, well, you assume it's a he, and it is. It's a, it's a it's farmer. A, judging by Older, the boots and the overalls on the by the boots on the ground, it's you're it's probably mad, and it is. It's an older gentleman. Older. Elmer farmer yeah named elmer and we know his name is elmer because we assume his farmer's his wife the farmer's wife is standing some distance away from him saying just what is elmer elmer don't go near it or something don't like go that. no she wants him to go near it she just says i have a 
I really dread this. It fills me with dread. It it fills me me with with dread. dread. It just fills me with dread. And then can you see what it is? And then he looks ahead and the camera follows his gaze. Cut to a tree tree with a dead body in it. Hanging. Like from way up, not a small like right. and this is business not, we, apple tree. Like this is a... He's high up in the branches. I should also explain that he's not hanging, like he has not been hanged. There is no noose, but he is he is like hanging in a tree. There is a dead body in the tree. And Elmer says, I think it's Henri from the valley over. From down in the valley. From down in the valley. Okay. And how long did that take, Jessica? Do you have any idea? Any idea? How I long don't, that took? but I'm guessing it was 15 seconds. 21. 21, 21 seconds. seconds. Including the title sequence? No, or including no, the title. That... The title sequence was 45 seconds, and then this sequence was 21 <laughs> seconds. So we may have set a new land speed record for making us guess. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would agree. That was, and I wanted to go back, and we did watch it a second time. We watched time it twice because why not? It's 21 seconds. We got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to, you know, just pause on the body but Mm -hmm. that wasn't going to do us any good because it just uh, hulu you know sort of beiges out yeah beiges out the screen you don't really get good see yeah so yeah we all that's 21 seconds we have 21 seconds and And elmer and his wife and Henri. that's what we know that's what we get i went back and i checked the interview which yes, all of yes. you listening have what just did heard. Say? But uh, what Mark and Sarah, their hints that they gave us, very helpful hints, was yeah. uh, one, George Crabtree is not entirely wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and because he has some kind of otherworldly explanation. He says and extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial, right. And then uh, the other thing is, is that the diorama is wrong. So we don't know any, we don't even know what that is. Yeah. Oh, we've got 21 seconds. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Sharpening our, uh, sharpening our wits and trying to figure out what can yeah. happen. Did you just sharpen your pencil and lick it and then <laughs> yeah, try just... to put it down to a blank piece of paper? <laughs> Crumple it up, throw it away. Crumple it up, yeah. throw it away. Yeah. I have... <sighs> Elmer. You know, we just... We also learned from... Um, from Mark and Sarah, because of the, all the research that they do, mm-hmm. we learned in our episode, and I don't know if were they planting something for us oh, that right. Elmer's glue was is depicted by There's a, a cow, cow on there. yeah, and the cow was actually married, yes, and the 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 other the spouse, the cow spouse, is depicted in other. Not in it's a different it's a different products. brand. It's not yeah, it's not Elmer's glue, but Elmer is married to Elsie the Borden cow. And Elmer, by the way, Elmer is a bull, of course, not a cow, because you know Oh, right, dude. right, right. So do we so do we think that Henri is a dairy farmer? Maybe from down in the valley? I I, I don't know. I don't know that this means well, anything. We think, I mean, I think we think Elmer is a dairy farmer. Oh, right. Yes, yes, Although yes. He's Elmer, Elmer is the farmer who finds Henri. Field. So, uh, but, yeah. yeah, Henri would be in his field, though, because he says Henri is from down in the valley. So maybe you're right. Maybe Henri is a... Okay, here's another thing. Tell me another um, thing. Green men. So this is called the annoying red planet. Right. So Martians mm-hmm. come from the red planet. Mm-hmm. 
What's annoying about them? I I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe it's just that it's vexing because it's mm. vexing and he can't get rid of the idea that maybe it is aliens because he can't come up with any other explanation. But their war Martians are known for being warmongering, right? Warlike, yes, I think, because the name after the god of war, Mars. Yeah. So because it was there... red in the sky and bellicose and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. So this is what we got. Unless we want to like, unless do we change the rules for a super special season finale episode? No, no, no. Okay. I, I I'm not giving up. I just had a pause there, but I'm not giving up. Okay, here's another thing. I think I might have started to listen to Mark and Sarah's episode mm-hmm. on this and mm-hmm. then was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And so okay. I stopped listening because I didn't want to, you know, know the ending. And I think they were talking about this. There was this whole history of Irish people who were being persecuted in England they came across to North America, landed first in the United States, and were revved up and decided to join the Civil War. And then when that ended, a bunch of them moved to Canada and with the with the goal of disrupting England from Canada. They mm. thought were and their goal was at one point they had sort of an uprising where Mark was describing it where their intention was to hold Canada hostage and be like, hey, England, we're not going to give you back Canada until you stop persecuting Ireland, which was a good laugh on on the part of both Sarah and Mark because they were like, did they think that was going to work? <laughs> that, that England would be like, no, give me back Canada, no. my favorite daughter. So, yeah. Uh, so these it was called something like the Finian Rebellion. Um, mm-hmm. So there were a lot of people who were very upset about this. And so I wonder if like green people, you know, people wearing green Martians, you know, green Martians, mm, even though they're from the mm-hmm, red planet. Okay, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had something to do with this. And Henri was saying, you know, maybe was in for the fight or he wasn't in for the fight. And so they decided to hang him. It's also weird that, like I said earlier, in the images I saw, there's actually a crop circle. And the crop circle is not a freshly plowed field. It is a field where certain like dried vegetation has been flattened Mm -hmm. in the middle of the same vegetation of the same color being you know right straight up towards the sun defying gravity as it were so where does the crop circle show up in this plowed field yeah that doesn't i think i think it comes up at a later time i think clearly it's going to be a little twist here so Maybe there'll be another murder. Do you think this is going to be one of those shows where, like, Midsummer, where they, you know, the op- season opener is like five people die? <laughs> Just lots of people dying in this episode. Maybe yeah. I think there might. I think there might be some people dying in this episode. Some, more people some dying more. in this episode. Clearly, yeah. one person has died. I am fixating on the idea that George is not completely wrong. Yeah. Um and. 
if it's extraterrestrial, that means that they're like, there's like people from outer space. So I think, hmm. I think we're not thinking in the third dimension is what this comes down to. Like Whoa, clearly, wait. yeah, uh-huh. So clearly, I don't think that Murdoch would posit that someone had invented airplanes in 1895. Although, when did the Wright brothers do that? Was have their 19 first flight? something? That was late, but 1903. Not to say that people have been trying for yeah, a long time, people. and they were getting close in the late 1800s. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know that Murdoch would say that they had done heavier than air flight, but there are certainly balloons by that time. Like balloon flight happened, like, I mean, that was definitely in the 1800s. Oh. Like when was the first, the first hot air balloon? That's like an Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries episode with the balloon, the guy that is dropped from the balloon and nobody, there's no trace. No, that's, um, that's not an Aurora Tea Gardens. That is a... Oh no, you're right. He's well, he's dropped from a plane in Aurora Tea Gardens. And there is a a Franklin and Dot episode where they drop the person from the hot air balloon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were lots of people dropping. And I think this is another dropper. Yeah. I think this is another dropper because there were definitely okay. hot air balloons. But maybe they would. Like the hot air balloon is in 1783. So I'm wondering, maybe they did. Maybe they were positing that people were trying to do heavier than air flight maybe they did invent maybe they are saying that murdoch is going to invent oh my gosh in this episode oh my gosh and that someone in canada has come up with the first airplane and that they fell out of the airplane it's either that or trebuchet warfare oh (laughs) they're just they're just flinging bodies into the air yeah yeah well, I'm wondering if, you know, extraterrestrial also means the word or people will also use the word alien, mm-hmm. like aliens from another planet. And then sometimes people use the term for immigrants, illegal aliens. And so what if the term applies to these Irish immigrants who Henri somehow got involved with? And the annoying red planet. Yeah, I wonder if there was like a rebellion or he was going to be part of the rebellion. And I wonder if there was a balloon. Oh, my gosh, because this was remember, this was the episode. You're right. This was the episode of the McDonald and Dodds where the guy fell mm-hmm. from the, the I'm remembering that now. OK, so that's my guess. My guess is that this guy was involved in the Henri the dead mm-hmm. man was somehow involved in the Finian rebellion that the takeover the the with the goal that was the takeover of Canada to hold it hostage and he was going to maybe he'd found out about the plan and he was going to tell on them maybe there's even an astrology situation where the red planet is mm. showing and so this is the best time in order to do a rebellion because mars is very forward at that time and so he tries to he's going to tell on them he's going to report them and they're like no 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 and so they kill him and then they take his body and they dump it from one of their observation balloons okay that they have a connection to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I am going, I am, I like that. I appreciate that. I'm going to go much more agricultural in mine. Mm, I'm going to go, I'm going very agricultural on this because I feel like there wants to be politics involved. I feel like that they're looking at that. I mean, the guy in the tree is named Henri, like very French. And the guy on the ground is named Elmer. Like that is like, there's hardly a more kind of like Anglo-Saxon name you can get than Elmer. Very down to earth. Yeah. Whereas Henri is very like fanciful. and So I think there wants to be politics in this, but I'm, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to dip my toes into that. I do think, this is what I think. I think Henri was experimenting with different ways of judging his crop growth and different ways of protecting his crops. And I think part of the like crop circle bit of this was he was trying to figure out if there were ways that he could like cut through things to make sure that maybe his crops got different amounts of sunlight or were positioned well or somehow like somehow magically aligned correctly to get him the most yield yield Mm, is the mm. word I think I'm looking the most yield of his crop so I think he was experimenting with kind of like air air flight and getting up in the air and trying to see things from above and seeing what he could do and I think his invention just failed I think it failed and collapsed and he was somehow tipped out of it. So I don't think there was anybody who actually killed him as much as I think this was something that was, I think this was, he was, he was experimenting with it. He was doing this. He kind of wasn't a suicide necessarily, but he led to his own demise. This is kind of an Icarus thing kind of thing here. Like he Mm. like flew too close to the sun couldn't keep a handle on what was going on. And yes, it fell. And I know that, see, the thing about Murdoch is that they invent these things, but they don't really invent these things. So I'm concerned that maybe like, like I don't think that they would go through and say that, no, you did, like they invented the faster, heavier than air flight versus the Wright brothers. I don't think Murdoch would do that. So maybe there's just some kind of like propeller with a balloon or like maybe they're only getting like little bursts of like height or something like that. But I do think it has to do with flight. It's Um, an experimental conveyance. Yeah, it's an experimental (laughs) conveyance. Yes, an experimental conveyance. And I think it just tipped him out of it and there's wreckage of it somewhere and they'll eventually find that. And they don't know what it is, which is why they think that it's uh, something extraterrestrial. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going right down the middle of the road here. I'm sticking with the basics. Because again, 21 seconds. I asked for it all season long. I've been talking about how great it is when you do things super quick, <laughs> zip, zang, zoom. And here I am, mm. 21 seconds. That's all I got to work with. Good grief. I almost feel like if we get this wrong, it shouldn't count against us. But once again, these are the rules. These are my competitive rules. Fine. I will live by my competitive rules, but I'm going to grumble all the way. I'm not, I'm not going to grumble. I actually really love it. I actually really love that. Like 21 seconds. There you go. Deal with that. Like, okay, fine. Deal with that. That. 
another I'm, Canadian show quote. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, you tell us your favorite quotes from Slings and Arrows or other Canadian shows, and we're going to go watch the rest of this and see just how wrong we are. See you in a minute. So I was looking up the joke, the last joke, the last line of right. the episode is about extraterrestrial things possibilities right? where, where that... would you where would you put a secret government base that was going to be working on amazing new technology that you wanted to keep from everybody or extraterrestrials kind of wasn't that it well i thought they were maybe it was i thought they were more talking about the atomic bomb Yes, yeah, because they did say Roswell. Or, they didn't say Roswell. But they said California, and then California. they said, "Oh, I would think the territory of New Mexico." In New Mexico, and then and then the other guy, the boss, Breckenreed. Says, Breckenreed says Wales, and I was like, Wales, and I thought, yeah, like, Oh, that's the a Doctor Who yeah, reference. Because there's got to be. But then I looked it up, and there are like 2023. There, they had a release of files in 2023, I guess, and. There are like sheep killings and all 7,000 papers. Of... So all kinds of extraterrestrial stuff happening in Wales? Yeah. Yeah. That is bonkers. They, they reveal that between 1996 and 2008, more than 20 detailed sightings were reported to the police and Ministry of Defense in Wales. They include the case of a sighting near Razil Bay. Brazili Bay on the Gower Peninsula in September of 2005, describing a UFO as appearing like a World War II Luftwaffe prototype jet with the description. What on earth? My cousin turned to me in surprise and I exclaimed, what on earth was that thing we just saw? And there are pictures. People have drawn it. A lot of things post-World War II. Mm -hmm. There was a Roswell incident in the 70s in Pembrokeshire or Pembrokeshire and so I looked et cetera, that up. Et cetera, et cetera. I looked back oh. to the whole Shire Shire thing. I have looked oh, yeah. it up. And okay. when you're saying just the word S-H-I-R-E, it uh -huh. is pronounced Shire. But if it's at the end of a word, it is pronounced Shire. So the Hobbits sure. did live in the Shire. The Shire. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, papers span four decades and include nearly 7,000 documents about sightings in Wales. So, yeah, so Wales is a good spot for UFOs. But I think we're burying the lead, Jessica. I think we're burying the lead. You're right. The lead being, <laughs> I won. I got it. Well, hold on. I did. Okay. You said you, you went I back said, and, and transcribed I said, it because I, I oh, this is what I have that Jacob said. Henri was judging crop growth, yes. crop yield, experimentation, bird's eye view. His invention failed, tipped him out of the air conveyance. No foul play, which you did. You are correct. That is, uh -huh. well, no, they tipped him out. He no, jumped he, out he panicked of the air and, He panicked and jumped out, yes. Out of the dirigible. You said Icarus experimentation, experimental conveyance. Which this was experimental. Something of his own. Yeah. Well, okay, that's true. And there should be wreckage from it somewhere, which there was not. Because there was no was... record. You're right. There was no wreckage from it. I also said I never. I never said dirigible. You're very kind to give me the word dirigible. Well, I wrote I that said, down later, but I, I said, thought that that's I what said, you said some kind of balloon with a propeller on it. Which oh, you did. I did. 
I said some kind of balloon with a propeller on it, completely forgetting that that was called a blimp. That's a blimp, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a real thing that exists. It's called some a blimp. Some kind of thing. Like if you could just get two, a balloon and I put mean, a propeller on it. <laughs> so, you but you're right. I did. I did. I did a talk very about very large cow that you can put a saddle in. Do you mean a horse? <laughs> you mean a horse, like a tall cow, like a cow, but with taller legs, a horse. And for that matter, I was right about that too. They put they put Murdoch on a horse this episode. I know. I was really shocked when that happened. I was like, "Are they listening to you? What is going on here?" <laughs> like somebody was sitting in the room with us, and then went back in time oh, and wrote. Went the back episode. in time and made them put on a horse. Yeah. I will say this, like they still continue with the camera tricks this episode, like in the very beginning between Elmer, Elmer and his wife, who comes back at the very end, Elmer and his wife come back at the end. It's a great little loop back. So long story short, Henri has discovered a secret governmental plan to find, to make a a war dirigible and the government finds him and tries to freak him out to not talk about it. He does freak out and he jumps out of the dirigible and gets caught in the tree and dies in the tree. Um, but meanwhile, they're like pretending to be aliens and they're freaking neighborhood neighbors out and everything in order to like discredit them as they come up with this new thing. And then there was a th- there was a red herring, th- another character involved who was a con artist who was actually not a con artist. This was the other dead body that they find in the middle of the episode. Turns out the con artist was a French spy. Yeah. Um, who was trying to find out about this dirigible and the progress that the Canadian government was making on this. But on so, war strategy. On war strategy. So I had everything, I had a lot of this right. I had that he wasn't actually a killed. Lot. He fell out, which happened. Yes. I yeah. had that he fell out of some sort of hot well, air no, balloon. He jumped. He jumped. He did yes. jump. He, he did jump, but like he, he didn't can't... realize it was going to be suicidal. I think yeah. he was just trying to and get I'm not, away. Yeah, and I'm not sure he knew what he was jumping from, but it was definitely an accident. That's true. Yeah. So I got that right. Yes. I got that it was a hot air balloon with a propeller on it. I got that it had nothing to do with crops. It had he had nothing to do. It was <laughs> and 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 he was not the person developing this. So do do we have to call the podcast adjudication board, or are we just going to give you can a win? have it? Uh, but I will say they did give us another red herring. Yes. In that. He has a cut that Dr. Julia revealed that he had a cut that the dead Henri had a cut from his shoulders down the back of his arm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's totally an Icarus thing. He was trying to attach some sort of flying conveyance (laughs) to his own body. And and, And that's why he's cut himself. But that turned out to not be true. It was just... Well, actually, we don't know why he was cut. I think like that, that was just that he, like, the tree branches hit him on the way down. It might have also oh. been, like, one of the government people sliced him in some kind of fight or something like that. But Oh, a scuffle, maybe. Yeah, as scuffle. He was... Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, fine. You win. Yay! That's I think I end the se- I end the season on a great big win streak here. I think that's you at really least two, but possibly three in a row. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just Jacob gonna I, it feels good the for the winner. gonna feel good for the off season there. No, that's for the beginning of next season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I will so they did invent they they invented the blimp, they also invented the vacuum. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, that's right. And Murdoch did not. It was the war department that invented the vacuum. It was the war department that invented the vacuum, but Crabtree comes up with the idea. 
He's like, do you remember the fan? If maybe there was a fan that put pressure to something, but in reverse. And then yes, That's the war department right. has created a vacuum because yes. oh, there was a dead there was a dead cow that was found right that and had its stomach and all its guts like sucked out sucked out of, it. out of like this hole that looked kind Which, of small. But I mean, who gets to who? Who's the guy that has to clean out the shop vac with all that stuff in it? You know, I know. what I mean? Like five it does stomachs. Not, does <laughs> yes, yes. All those stomachs, not to mention all those, like literally, probably a metric ton of cow manure. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, maybe not a metric ton of cow manure. That's a lot of cow manure, but still, yeah, a lot but of cows cow are manure. not a ton. But yeah. cows are pretty heavy. There's a lot but of. But they don't. There. They don't literally carry a metric ton of waste. Yeah. In no, them. no. No. And then the spy, he also, also had his, his yes. organs sucked out. So they who, were just trying uh, to make the public think that there were aliens like yes. what a weird like they had to be really that's gross and creative I but wonder... i'm not sure i'm not sure people even understood like the cow dying happened after murdoch started looking into things so mm. were they trying to fool murdoch or were they trying to fool the public because i'm not sure the public would have paid much attention to it i don't know yeah, you're right. Because how would they have known? Right. I mean, assumably, the doctor keeps her her findings confidential. Okay. Okay. I again, I we said at the beginning of this. Speaking of the doctor, we said at the beginning that Murdoch is a Boy Scout. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a scene in this which is one of the heaviest male gazes, and I know they're doing this on purpose, but like. Murdoch sees this woman in an orange dress. It's a very pretty orange and like maroon striped dress. He sees the backside yeah, kind of, like, of a woman. Pattern. Yeah, it's he very sees the... sunny. It's and very it, sunny. It, 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 it's the Victorian era, so she has a bustle, and it's so this this these yellow rays like basically like come out of her butt. <laughs> right, because it's a vertical striped dress. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not in a bad way. It's just that, no. you know, here she is, the sun, and all we see is her backside. <laughs> all you see is her backside. And it lingers on her backside. And there are shots of, like, Murdoch looking at her. Looking yeah, at like, the... doing the whole, like, bending to the side yes. and looking down like, oh, I recognize that. And... Yes. And it's obvious, <laughs> like, oh, Murdoch. Yeah. Murdoch. That was so much for him. And <laughs> I was, was like, shocked. Yes. Yes, like the impure thoughts happening at that moment was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then she turns around. Oh, oh, you were on the the train too. Yes. When did you get on? When did you get on? <laughs> I did. I did. There's a oh, oh yes. As if these stops mean something. Well, they do. They the stops were real stops. They do mean things to people. But just yeah. oh my god. And goodness. then it, well, and then she turns when she turns around. Her shirt and her jacket are both com- unbuttoned, like down to the cleavage. Just about. Yeah. Well, wait, yeah. does, is she unbuttoned to the cleavage there or is she? Yes, her white shirt is unbuttoned down to the cleavage. Ugh. Later on when she's, when like Breckenridge shows up. Breckenridge, uh, yeah. Breckenridge, she is buttoned up all the way and she has pearl mm-hmm. buttons on that shirt. But I was like, I guess it's hot outside because it is summer. Well, and also later on in the evening, they, they end up having to stay overnight in this small town. And Murdoch is frustrated because... All of his logical explanations are being proven wrong, and more and more people are taking <laughs> in. Crabtree keeps crab going on and on about extraterrestrials, and even Julia's like, "Yeah, that, yeah, that could be. That could I be." Mean, I'm, just, he's like, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, 
But he <laughs> Murdoch goes out to look at the stars and runs into Dr. Ogden, who is also out for a night walk, and her like her jacket is off, her shirt is very unbuttoned, and most tellingly, her hair is down. All her hair. All her hair is down and loose. Curly and they go for a walk and... at night, which is just like Ooh la la, you better hope you don't get caught because this is a recipe for gossip. <laughs> yeah. As Sarah would say, you're married now. <laughs> you're just married now. That's just what happens. Yeah, that was something else. And I I'm... also was curious. So the they yeah. they the bad guys at one point make alien feet. Like they make alien feet props to like walk through the crops yes. to show alien feet. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, those are golf balls for the toes. And I was just wondering, and like they you they totally were. were right. So this is what I'm curious about, though. What did they make golf balls out of in 1895? It wasn't oh. plastic. Like, the, the casing for that well, wasn't plastic. So what did they That's definitely a question for the other show. <laughs> 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 I am sure they covered that. <laughs> I am sure they did. Now we'll have to go back and we'll listen to that. Yes, but you're right. I, th- I also enjoyed the joke when... So we were told that... Crabtree was not entirely wrong. Right. And we were told that but the diorama was the, wrong. Was wrong. And it was and fully wrong. It was wrong. very wrong. It was, it may have been wrong, but that was one of the better dioramas I have seen. That was oh, like the little, so? the little, like he had like a bow and arrow grappling gun <laughs> thing going on for this. It was adorable. Yeah. And he, he told Breckenridge, don't touch that. That's very. Delicate. Very delicate. He <laughs> said, I'd describe this as delicate, yes. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, but oh, he was right. Fire. He was right yes. about, or Murdoch was right about it being a two Martian operation. Yes. <laughs> a two being operation. Because yes. he's like, no, this is a, you need two people to do this. And so he's like, yeah, it's a two man operation. And Crabtree looks at him and is just like, or two Martian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Breckenridge is a hoot this episode. He he has so many quippy one-liners in this. Like, there's an exchange between Murdoch and Breckenridge where Breckenridge's like, you know my motto. And, and Murdoch just says, you have several of them. All gems, sir. <laughs> yes, that was so great. He said, no, 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 no. Those are aphorisms. <laughs> Here's my motto. Follow the money. Yeah, so. yeah. And I guess... I mean, I would have to see the rest of the season, but mm-hmm. it is interesting that his boss, Brackenreed's boss, uh, is telling him, don't follow the money. Like, don't follow yeah. up with this Rouge Valley authority thing that's supposed to be setting up a dam. And Brackenreed's like, oh, oh, okay. And you think he's really caving. But then he goes and meets Murdoch up in the countryside and is totally down for all the investigation. Like, yeah. it's almost like that sets a fire on him and under him well, to not, actually not, figure it out. Not exactly. It's really strange because so this is Breckenridge has a great arc this episode because at the, the start of the episode, he's being offered this highfalutin position on like the board of counselors or something like that. And the chief of police is essentially saying, hey, we'll think we're you're in consideration for this. And Murdoch immediately casts shade on this to like Brackenreed's yeah. dismay. Yeah, he just, like, <laughs> and Brackenreed's like, you could say, congratulations, boss. When do you leave? He, like, he none of that? Really, Murdoch? 
but he doesn't even say that. He doesn't say you could have said this. He he makes fun of Murdoch. He's, he plays, he does the whole conversation himself where he's just like, that's a good job, sir. Well, thank you, Murdoch. Like he like makes fun of Murdoch for what Murdoch <laughs> should have done. He's on, but so he's great. And then he's like, follow the money, follow the money. And then the chief of police comes in and the Rouge Valley Development Corporation, it's a shell game. They're, they say they're building a dam, but it's really the governmental organization. But apparently this government, this business organization is putting pressure on the chief of police to get Breckenridge and Murdoch to stop investigating it. And they really put the screws into Breckenridge. So Breckenridge's like, fine, whatever. I don't like it, but I'm going to go along with it because you think he's doing this because of his new position. And then he goes out there to tell Murdoch this. And Murdoch, like, he, you're right, fire gets lit underneath him, and then he is. He's down for the investigation. So there is this, like, nice little mini redemption arc for Breckenreed there, who's tempted to go to the dark side, but then comes back to the side of righteousness. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I mean, then when they all figure it out, they're like, yeah, we can't do anything. Yeah, we can't do anything about and, this. Like and, Murdoch's, and Murdoch and, and Julia are both kind of like, really? Nothing? We can't do anything? And he's like, no, this is our government. If we you can't. If you talk about this, it will be treason. You will get the news. Right, right. That's right. So, yeah. So, yes, it was the government all along developing war technology and trying to pass it off as aliens in order to discredit Henri so that nobody would listen to him. But he figured it out and figured out where they were, where everything was centralized, went there and discovered their base of operations. So, yeah, I will say in honor of mystery maniacs, I will say that I liked, I liked the French con man corpse actor better because you only, you only meet him as a corpse. You don't actually meet him live. You only meet him as a corpse simply because he had to like, they had to put individual stitches in the Y cut on his, when she opened up her chest, his chest, she was, they sewed, she sewed him back up and like the stitches were rough on him. But that meant that some like makeup person had to go in and like glue all of these rough stitches to his chest and body. So I give him props for that. Good. Yeah. Good job. Court and she does serve. have to cut into him too. Yes. Um, to confirm that there are no, there is no stomach or guts. So they probably do give or, you know, put some sort of topping that she just has to be very careful. <laughs> some sort of topping. Some sort of frosting on the body. That... <laughs> body frosting. A, a Jessica body... Hurd's body frosting for all some... of your corpse acting needs. Or maybe just like a little plastic, you know, covering that looks like dead skin. And mm, mm-hmm. then so that she can actually cut something. Because it does look like she's actually sinking the knife into something. I guess yeah. it could have been a fake knife, too. Yes, but you're right. There's Maybe. probably something there. But yeah, and he's also wearing a mustache, a moustache. Hey, we got a mustache in a Murdoch episode. We did. There we go. Yay! It was a it's, fake it's one, a but fake still. One. Yeah. And then when they go to visit his room at the or apartment or wherever it is he's staying, he yeah. has like a whole box. He has of a mustaches. whole box of like lots of different passport papers and a diff- like all kinds of different like facial hair that he could put on and. Yeah, it's very, so very exciting. Yeah, yeah, very impressive. I'm not letting go of body frosting, though. That's dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> Those are <laughs> all next season, all different commercials for your body frosting. I I like two Martian operations <laughs> too uh, personally, Martian. but <laughs> two Martian operation looks like you're gonna need more of Jessica Hurd's famous body frosting. <laughs> or, sir, there are many. All gems. 
All right. Well, who should we talk about? Who do we who do we need to talk about in this episode? Oh well. While you look that up, I also just want to say two two more notes about this village that they were in. One, the camera tricks kept going. There's a great little montage sequence. But also when they got, George has some great little slapstick of him trying to get on the horse. And I wish the camera, when everybody got on the horse, it was as if the camera was also on a horse. So like the camera was bobbing up and down as if it was like <laughs> clopping down the road. I'm like, settle down. Settle down. I'm getting seasick again on this. Um, yeah. And you were some... convinced, you were convinced that the village was the same village they used in Anne of Green Gables. Yes, it looked very much like it. So if if this was, if this village where they stayed overnight and where all of these took place, if this village was in fact that place the same place where they did film Anne of Green Gables, I am now like creating an Anne of Green Gables and Murdoch crossover in here. When did Anne of oh. Green Gables take place? Yeah, like same era. Like same I era, think. right? So yeah. like is there a world where Anne with an E like gets a crush on Murdoch or like or for that matter, oh, what I really want now is I really want the Anne with an E mystery series. Like I want teenage Anne of Green Gables to be solving mysteries in her little hometown. Can we make that happen, please? Oh my Gosh, yes. Montgomery's novels are set in the early 1870s, and the first film was set in 1900, and then there was another one that was set in 1904, just because they liked the look of that period more, right. more aesthetically pleasing. So, I mean, Anne so would be a mature person. Right. In 1895, she would be, like, it's a possibility, yeah. I guess, is what, is what I'm hearing here, is that, like, Anne with an E... Let's make this Could, happen. Let's let's get some. Yes. Uh, let's in in my head canon. There is now some fan fiction out there for like when Julia Ogden is off in Buffalo. Yeah. Like Murdoch gets involved with this lady named Anne, and yeah, well, you know, here's, Sue. here's another kind of weird thing. So I was telling you about this actor Lachlan Murdoch who mm-hmm. plays Constable Henry Higgins, <laughs> and we we were totally distracted by his name as we should be, but he also. I was looking up his background, and yeah. he is in a movie, or he's in a miniseries of Titanic, which I kind of blew me away. I'd never heard of it. Was Henry it's... Higgins the one who taught the band how to plan the Titanic? No. Oh, my God. But that is a story. Henry yeah, Higgins okay. teaches the band to plan the Titanic, and Henry Higgins goes down with the ship as they're all like, we are so dedicated to our music now. We're going down playing this music. Well, I bet people know where I'm going with this, but the, I don't. The TV miniseries, just FYI, if you uh-huh. were curious, there's one out there. It stars Peter Gallagher, George C. Scott, Catherine Zeta Jones, Eva Marie Saint, Tim Curry, and Mary Lou Henner, and a number of other people. Oh, my goodness. Um, this actor, Lachlan Murdoch, he plays a character named Perry Jack. I, I don't know who that is. But as I was looking through all the, you know, IMDb Past and trying to figure out, are there other famous people in here that I don't recognize or whatever? There is somebody who plays First Officer William Murdoch. And that's when I, like you're saying, was like, 
holy moly, what is happening here? Was Henry so, Higgins, was this actor pulled over to like play himself on this Titanic? I, I, I real fake. I'm my mind is going crazy. But there really was on the Titanic a first officer, William Murdoch, who went down with the ship. With the ship. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, died at 39 years old. And he I it sounds like he might have actually seen the I, I did very little I, I not academic here very <laughs> a little very like quick brief cursory, look over, Google cursory good word cursory <laughs> Google research and it, I think he might have been the one who called out the iceberg and then was like trying to get them to maneuver away from it or around it but they hit it anyway anyway yeah William Murdoch and you know that was in t- 1912 so yeah. I was like Oh no! Sixteen seasons of of Murdoch mysteries. Are they aiming for like an end where he dies on the Titanic? No, that's no. not what's happening here. That's not what's happening. But I, that was also all these stories that could be written about William Murdoch, right? And right. It's going to keep going on because well, a great and show. then it got even weirder. Like oh, no. talk about like crazy. So then I was like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? I got to look him up. First officer William Murdoch. And then of course Google, you know, shares some other things that people are asking, yeah. you know, around this topic. Uh huh. <laughs> the first one was, did Rupert Murdoch survive the Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> like people. No, no, I can believe that. I can believe that Rupert Murdoch is some like undead lich who has been around for 150 years. Hashtag, I really am just joking. Please don't come at me. But I'm just saying that it would not be out of character. (laughs) Did Rupert Murdoch survive the Titanic? Yeah, so that's uh, that's the internet for you. Uh, we went from alien conspiracies to media mogul conspiracies and the Titanic in one episode. In one episode. <laughs> and this is why we love Murdoch. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for listening to all of this. We're going to take a summer break. Mm-hmm. We will be back towards in back towards the end of August, I believe, in the fall with some more new guesses and some more new episodes. Meanwhile, do join us on social media. We have a lot of fun yes, over there at, yes. inst- at Clue Dunnett Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Clue Dunnett on Twitter. I'll be honest, we're not really on Twitter, but, you know, if you want to follow us then for whenever we tweet, sure, go for it. But, yeah, come join us on Facebook and Instagram. and Instagram and stories and, and stuff. Maybe we'll have some more competitions. We're probably going to do a fun puzzle. Yes, like, we're going to do we're gonna do a little bit of a puzzle. Puzzles? No, literally, we're going to do a puzzle and post about it over summer yes. break. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know that you'll be helping us out with pieces. But, you know, just, just come join us. Yeah. It'll be fun. I have a question for you this summer, Jacob. Yes. Are you going to try out a Murdoch-inspired banana hammock? <laughs> and I think that's more that yours. I think you have more to say about that than I do. <laughs> okay, never mind. We don't right. need to visualize. <laughs> well, I go. I will go out and try on new swimsuits. Have a great summer, and we will see you soon. See you soon, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. 
go to our website, cluedunitpodcast.com, or email us at cluedunitpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram and Facebook at cluedunitpodcast, or on Twitter at cluedunit. And if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcast to help us get the word out. And maybe you'll hear your review read on the show. Want to be a Clue Dunnett private investigator? Leave us a few bucks at cluedunnettpodcast.com and we'll send you a personalized, official Clue Dunnett private investigator license. Officially approved by the totally fake Podcasting Adjudication Board in their secret headquarters in a mountain outside of Squamish. We hope to hear from you soon. Because watching, watching TV is always, always better, better with, with friends. friends. Since you've watched so much of the show, Murdoch, so much of Murdoch. Murdoch. Yeah, can you share what is the deal with the ferrets? I don't know, and, <laughs> and, and of course you mentioned you guys mentioned it. I was like, there are a lot of ferrets. Ferrets are not a thing in Canada that I know of. Are you sure? Is it just not that you can't? You just can't tell us because we're Americans, <laughs> right? <laughs> Will you lose your Canadian membership card or something? No. Okay.